Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, has anybody noticed the amount of yard sales around? Like, th- that excites some of you, I know, and that just causes angst in others. But, like, it's yard sale season. And, you know, it- it's that season where another person's stuff, maybe junk or treasure, whichever, can be yours for, like, a quarter, right? Like, the temptation is real to take that stuff as your own, and that's why I can't go. Like, they fascinate me, but I can't go because I don't have good self-control when I can buy it for a quarter. Uh, and we just don't need more stuff. But they fascinate me, right? Like, the process of that is we will fill our yards full of stuff for sale, and people are invited to come by. And, I mean, it can be clothes, furniture, knickknacks, tools, you, you name it. Like, it's in the yard, and it's for sale. And, you know, as, as you pass some of these things with, like, you know, the full yard, you're like, the question that I want to know is what didn't go in the yard, right? Like, like, what was that treasured possession inside that was not up for debate? Like, no, 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 honey, that's, that box doesn't go to the yard sale. Like, what would that prized possession be? I, I think for me, like, that stuff's normally connected to a memory, right? Well, what would it be for you? Is it a family heirloom, a, a, a necklace or a ring, a piece of jewelry, or a, a photo album, perhaps, that connects you with other people? For me, I, I would probably say that the, the items that wouldn't make the yard sale would be a couple Bibles that I have. And they're from family members, and there was a time when, you know, I would see them as a kid, and they're just a Bible on a shelf. But now, in that family member's absence, they're priceless. That would be one of those things for me. And what's, what's interesting is often some of the things that are of the most value to us don't have a high cash value, Right? Like they wouldn't sell for a whole lot at a yard sale because the value to us, why they're so important is because they're connected to memory. They're connected to meaning, not just an item. I mean, the Bibles I'm talking about, they've got tape on them. They're tattered. Uh, that You couldn't get a nickel for them at a yard sale, but yet they're priceless. So what would some of those things be for you, those worthless items that are priceless? What would some of those things be? Uh, if you've been following along in our series uh, as we've been looking at the story of the children of Israel, they are a little bit like that. They're a little bit like that. They began as cast off as slaves in Egypt, uh, uh, the lowest of the low, you might say, but yet not to God, not to the Lord. You see, the Lord wanted them. He wanted them, and he makes them an offer of relationship. These flea market people were offered a place by the throne. That's the story 
of the wanderers. And so I, I welcome you back today to our summer teaching series as we're following the story of the children of Israel on their journey from the flea market of Egypt to the promised land of God. And it's a story that, a journey that we've seen that has been tailor-made by the Lord. It was not happen chance. It was tailor-made by him designed to equip those people to be children instead of slaves, to be children of the Lord. I just want to pause, like this is part four of a six-part series. Like, how you doing? Are you tracking with me? Is this series starting to hit home? Are you maybe even seeing yourself, maybe even in some of the grumbling, but are you starting to recognize like some of our human tendencies in this? But yet, we also see the faithfulness of the Lord. Like, how you doing on this journey? And it's a worthwhile checkup because if this is just a historical exercise, like you can do that on Google or YouTube, like, you know, that, that's not why we're gathered here today. But in those stories, in that revealed nature of the Lord and the calling of the Lord to his people, we see a greater narrative unfolding, don't we? We, we begin to see the point of this whole journey as being for a purpose. These grumbling stories and these miracles are, are yes, historical facts, but they're, they're more. And we don't want to miss the power of this story because we would miss today's invitation to relationship. And that's where we're going to dive into the story today in Exodus 19. Uh, Exodus 19, we're going to begin in verses 1 through 3. Uh, we're going to read a little bit and unpack, read a little bit and unpack as we go through the story today. So Exodus 19, beginning in verse 1. It says, On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. It says, after they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. It says, then Moses went up to God and called to him from the mountain, and he said, let me read that again. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. So as we're jumping back into our story here, we're rejoining the children of Israel about two weeks after the events last week of the giving of the manna in chapter 16. So two weeks have passed, and so that means that for two weeks now, literally, daily, they have been eating the faithfulness of God in the manna because God has been providing, and so daily they go out and gather what they need, and they're sustained on the faithful promise of the Lord. And so as they come to Sinai at the beginning of chapter 19, uh, the gap that's represented there, and you can study this this week, they're feasting on the faithfulness of God. Uh, they, they've done a little more grumbling. They've done a little more crying out against Moses and the Lord. So that's been true over these two weeks. And they also engaged in battle with a group of people called the Amalekites. And God miraculously gives them victory over that enemy. And so as we arrive today at the base of Mount Sinai in chapter 19, the, the people are camping there in the desert. And they would go on to stay there for about a year. They would stay in camp there meeting with the Lord. And, and this, is, this is a pivotal moment. This is a turning point in the story of God's people. Because as these events unfold, as we unpack this truth, it becomes clear that this is the point. This is the place that he was leading his people to. Despite their grumbling, despite their desire to go back to do it their own way, God has been desiring to be in relationship with his people. And that's what happens at Mount Sinai. He extends them a gracious invitation 
to relationship. An invitation to be his most prized possession. How will they respond? How will you respond to God's invitation of relationship? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you today, uh, Lord, that you're after us. You're after us. Lord, that you have seen us, you've guided us, you've authored our story that we could again be presented with an opportunity to hear the truth of your love of who you are and what you desire from us today. So Lord, we want to tune our hearts, our minds, our ears to your voice today. Lord, we want to humble ourselves before your word. So will you come, speak to us today, your people, and it's in your name. Amen. Let's pick back up in our text in verse 4 of chapter 19 in the Exodus account. And so this is what the Lord has spoken to Moses and he's supposed to convey to the people. It says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And so this message, this message for the children of Israel begins with a reminder of just how faithful, how gracious God has been up until this point. And as we followed along this journey, it's clearly been a one-sided relationship, right? Like God has continued to pour himself out for the children of Israel and not receiving much in return. And maybe today, if you've ever cared for an infant, you can kind of understand a little bit about that idea of a one-sided relationship. I mean, if you think about the relationship with a newborn baby, it's really a one-way, it's an it's a all-giving relationship on behalf of the parents. I mean, you think about it, they can't say thank you. They can't offer you a favor in return. They can't take out the trash yet. They can't feed the dogs. They can't run the vacuum cleaner. There's no other give back they have only to receive. And they need to receive everything for life. Food and the security, the safety offered in their parents. And like the one part that weirds me out is like you have to hold their head up for like months. Like that still just makes me nervous. But like they have to receive all of that care and they can offer nothing in return. And in that moment you start to understand like that's a little bit like how God has been loving and leading and providing and guiding for the children of Israel up to this point. They've been the recipients of tantamount amounts of grace, his one-sided love, but he's about to offer them a way of response. He's about to offer them an invitation to respond. At this point in the story, they're really about to be given an opportunity to grow up, if you will. Let's continue in our text in verse 5 and 6. So this is still the Lord speaking. It says, now... If you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And so the the Lord is offering his people a way of response. In light of all he has done for them, he's asking for a response of obedience a response of obedience. And it's so interesting here as we dive into this text at verse five that the Lord offers them a choice. You see, there, there's an if there. Now, if you obey me fully. You see, God didn't force his people into this invitation. He didn't force a response. He offers covenant. He offers relationship. 
And so this invitation is, of response is to enter into covenant with the Lord. And so let's pause here for just a minute. What's a covenant? What's a covenant? I think for us, the first thing we need to establish is that a covenant is not a contract. A covenant is not a contract. Uh, uh, one website put it this way. It says, a contract exchanges one good for another, while a covenant is a giving of oneself to the other. See, there's a difference there. You see, a contract is more of an if-then type agreement. If then, if I call a plumber to fix my leaking faucet at the house, if I call and I contract with them, if you fix my faucet, I'll pay you $75. Inflation, I'll pay you 150 That's a contract. If you, then I. You get that idea that there's an exchange of goods there or services in that agreement. There's also within a contract normally a way to break that contract, to break out of that agreement. So if the plumber comes, if you don't fix my faucet, I'm not paying you the 150 because you didn't fix it. You see, there's ways to get out of a contract. A covenant, on the other hand, is a relationally centered agreement. For our context, we might think of marriage as being our most accessible example. Because, you know, on the, on the day that you're married or you're standing before your spouse, you exchange vows. You exchange promises. Right? They, you, they, they, they sound like, I, I will take you to be my wedded wife or husband to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse. I mean, y'all, you've heard this. This is covenant language. Uh, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health. That's covenant language. To love and to cherish till death do us part. I pledge to you my faithfulness. See, that's covenant language. It's not if you're rich and if you're still looking good and if you're still healthy, I'm going to love you. No, see, that's contract. Marriage is a covenant. I am giving myself to you, richer or poorer, no matter what happens, I've given myself to you. That's covenant language. When we got married, uh, we had to add a, one more line to this in our covenant promise making, and that was, I promise not to keep score even though I'm totally winning. <laughs> see? Covenant language. You see, a covenant that what the Lord is extending is a blend of love, it's a giving of self, it's a relational invitation. So covenant is a blend of law and love expectations. There are no terms for breaking the covenant. Tim Mackey says it this way from the Bible Project. He says, covenant means entering into a formal relationship to accomplish a goal. Covenant means entering into a formal relational partnership to accomplish a goal. And so for the wanderers, this invitation, this moment, this point in the story, it comes into focus that that's what God's been leading them to was this very moment, this invitation to covenant. And so we have to remember that the children of Israel now have a choice. They have a choice. You see, this is not a contract. This is not the contract. This is not the Lord saying, well, if you do good, if you keep up your end of the bargain, then I'll bless you. No, that's contract language. This was a covenant invitation. The invitation is that they would give all of themselves to the Lord and they would receive all of him in return and have the inherent blessing of his presence in covenant. So they have a choice. They can enter into that covenant or they can reject him. 
And in rejecting him, they're going to continue on their own path. They're going to continue away from his presence. Because, friends, the reality that we begin to see here is there is no relating to God outside of covenant. They had a choice to be self-sovereign and self-ruling and continue away from the Lord or to give themselves all to him in covenant. And the truth of the matter today is that we have that same choice, friends, in the new covenant of Christ. We have that same invitation. You can know God through covenant life. You can know the blessing of his presence dwelling within you and leading and guiding you. You can know that and it is life. Or you can reject him. You can reject him and be your own Lord and call your own shots and follow the way of death. It's the choice that's before every one of us. Listen for a moment. Listen for a moment the impact of this covenant invitation with the Lord. He says, if you covenant with me, If you give yourself to me entirely, and I to you, the Lord says, you will be my treasured possession. Treasured possession. This idea is that of like a crown jewel. A unique and one-of-a-kind work is what the Lord will say. You will be my crown jewel, a -a one-of-a-kind work. Think about that for a minute. Think about all the Lord has. From the highest mountain to the prettiest seashore, the most beautiful sunset you can fathom is all the Lord's. And not only does it belong to him, but he created it. Every star in the sky, galaxies we can't even understand or see, he owns it and he created it. But he looks at his people and says, when you give yourself to me, the inherent blessing of my presence in your life is that you will become my treasured possession. That's absurd. That's absurd. That's grace on a scale that we can't comprehend. Because I know me. And yet he looks at our issues, our scars, our killing. He says, no, 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 when you enter with me, you will be my treasured possession. Think about that. That's craziness. It's craziness. Just grace on a scale that we can't wrap our minds around. Any 90s kids in the room? A couple of you. Do you remember the guy named Billy Mays Hayes? He used to do all those infomercials where he goes, but wait, there's more. Friends, that's kind of the reality of this text. Because it doesn't stop there. I mean, we could unpack that for days. But there's more. He goes on. He says, although the whole earth is mine, All of it. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Of the entire world, of all the people, the Lord has specifically chosen this group of people at Mount Sinai to partner with. You see, because covenant is to accomplish a goal. So God has chosen these people. They didn't just win the lottery. It was God's choice to call them, to bring them out, and to partner with them in covenant to accomplish his redemptive purpose for creation. That's covenant. And this idea of a kingdom of priests, at at a very basic sense, a priest is a person who who represents God to other people. So, So just think about that invitation for a minute. The invitation to covenant for these people who were just whining and grumbling and wanting to go back to Egypt, 
God in relationship with them from being slave workforce building Pharaoh's cities says, no, 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 you're going to be a priestly nation for me. You're going to go and be a part of my story. You're going to represent me to this world. From slaves in Egypt to representing the creator and sustainer of the universe. But wait, there's more. You see, because he goes on, he says, you will be a holy nation. And so you're going to be a people representing God to the world and be a completely different kind, totally set apart from the world, a display, if you will, of God's amazing grace and his power to transform. That's who you'll be in relationship with me. That's the invitation that he extends these people at Sinai. If we're thinking of covenant like a marriage, like the children of Israel have a chance to marry up here, right? Like what an invitation. If you would continue to unpack this through the Exodus narrative, just down a little bit in verse 8, the people affirm, they say, yeah, all you said's good. I mean, duh, right? Like, wow. But they say, yeah, what, all you said's good. Let's do it. Let's enter into this covenant. And we're taking some big steps in the story here, but God instructs them from that moment. He instructs them to clear their minds, to prepare to meet his presence as it would descend on the mountain. They were to encounter God, and he just gave them a couple things not to do so that they could be entirely focused on the relationship they were about to enter into. And so God would descend, and they would enter into this covenant. And you might be thinking, like, well, what was their end of the deal? Right? Because covenant takes two What was God asking of his people? Friends, what God was asking in return of his people is that they would be a kind of people that lived out the Ten Commandments. So we often will think contract language a lot, like when we read the Ten Commandments, right? Like, oh, these are the things I got to do so that the Lord will bless me. Like, that's contract gets in our mind. But no, this was covenant. Like, this is the kind of life you're to live. This is the kind of people you are to be in relationship with me, says the Lord. So reread the Ten Commandments in that light. It'll really mess with you. You see, because, because the Lord was giving them kind of a constitution of sorts of who they were to be. So, so in covenant, they were to be a people who only had one God. I mean, in covenant language, that seems obvious, doesn't it? If we've given our all to God, there can't be another And so they're to be people who only worship one God, who worship Yahweh. And they're not to worship other idols or carved images or any of those things or otherwise disrespect of the name of the Lord that they're in covenant with. You see, that's the Ten Commandments. They were to be people who honored their father and their mother and and who loved their neighbors. That's the kind of people God was inviting them to be. And, And so what you see here in this miraculous invitation is that God is giving all of himself in covenant to his people, and it would display, uh, uh, his presence would display in his people's lives, and that they would be his treasured possession of all creation, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And in response, the people would give all of themselves to him, and that would display in a life lived out of loving God and loving your neighbor. That's covenant. That's covenant. This moment, friends, at Sinai in this season was the defining moment for the people of God. It's the story of the wanderers. And friends, it's our story as wanderers too. As the band begins to make their way up, uh, if you would follow out the Old Testament, 
If you would take off from this story and read up through, you would find thousands of years, testimony upon testimony, that the people of God would struggle. They would fail to uphold their end of the covenant. They were forever uh, failing to be wholly committed to God. And, you know, you think about, you know, there's some unique stuff in the Old Testament. Like, why do we even have that book? Perhaps that's the most important reason. It's because we can see that on our own, we can't live up to the giving of ourselves to the Lord. We need an intervention. And somehow the people and through the prophets, they understood that no matter how hard they tried, no matter how pure their intentions was, every time they failed to live up to this invitation of covenant, they failed to give all of themselves to the Lord. And yet somehow they just knew that they couldn't do it, that there needed to be a new way. They actually began to understand that God would need to fulfill their part of the covenant too. And friends, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He fulfilled their part of the covenant too. And in giving of himself, how much more love, how much more of himself could God have given than Jesus on the cross? And yet in his humanity, he fulfilled the covenant that we never could. And he offers us a new covenant today. A new way to enter into relationship and that's through his blood through his perfect fulfillment of the covenant, he offers us a new way. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that's the way we're to be in relationship. That's the way we're invited to be in covenant with God. You see, because when we say yes to him, when we say yes to covenant, he actually comes and lives within us in the ministry and the power of his spirit. That's craziness. But that's covenant. You see, because God's not holding back on us. He's not holding back. He just asked for us to give all of ourselves to him. And the life of Christ within us is going to teach us. It's going to guide us to be his covenant people that we can never do alone. Could never do it alone. And, and so, what we've seen is Christ has given His all to us and for us that we might have a way, and in return, He invites us to give all of ourselves to Him in covenant relationship. And what happens is that, friends, the promises of God's presence in Sinai are just as true for us today. That when we step into that relationship, we become His prized possession. You, in Christ, are his prized possession with all your scars, with all your hurts, your guilts, your failures. He looks at you and says, no, 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 you're my child. You're no longer a slave of the world. You're mine in covenant. My prized possession of all creation. So God values you more than the prettiest sunset or the bluest water you've ever seen. Think about that. Crazy. You see, we, we step into relationship with Christ. We commit to him. We enter into that covenant. We become his ambassadors to the world. Because covenant is fulfilling a goal, right? And so we go and represent him that we have come together with Christ. And he has commissioned us to go and represent him to the world. Because, friends, when we enter into relationship, we enter this story. 
You see, because the story ends in the ultimate renewal of creation and all things, all heaven and earth are made new, that becomes our story in Christ. And we're invited to partner with Him in covenant. He sends us forth to be His representatives to fulfill His redemption story. What an offer! So he says, you are mine, my prized possession. I have a calling for you, a plan and a purpose for your life. And you're to be to me a set-apart people. Holy. Holy. Have you ever heard of a more compelling, powerful, beautiful, transforming story than Jesus? It's just. I don't get it. I don't get it. So my question for you today, friend, is are you in covenant with the Lord? Are you in covenant? Not contract. You see, contract... You know, contract can sound like a lot of things. Contract can sound like, well, uh, Lord, I'm, I'm going to show up at least, you know, a time and a half a month to church. Uh, I'm going to give some of my money back to help. And I'm going I'm I'm to try to be nice to my neighbor. And then you'll bless me. See, that's contract. That's not what the Lord wants. You see, contract is a lot like religion. You see, religion says, you got to climb this moral ladder of the Ten Commandments. You have to get all these things right in hopes that one day you'll make it to the top, that one day you'll find God at the top. That's contract religion. Covenant relationship is God coming down that ladder to meet us at the bottom where we are and saying, come with me, my child, I've made a way. Are you in covenant with him? You see, what we unpacked here is we watch people, and I've been there, and you probably have too. Like, we start out life, we're trying to figure out who we are. Like, who am I in this world? What's my sense of identity? It's answered in Christ. You're my treasured possession, he says. No matter what the world calls you, a flea market might be after you, but God says, no, 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 no. You're my child. And so Christ fixes our identity on him. And he gives us a plan and a purpose because how much of our lives do we spend trying to find our purpose? What am I going to do with my life? Jesus says, no, 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 child in covenant with me, I will fulfill your purpose. Friends, covenant with Christ fills every void of our hearts. He made us that way. in covenant with him today. Maybe, you, maybe you're here today and you've never heard the gospel that way. Maybe you're stuck over there on the contract side of, of just thinking that I've got to do these couple things so that I'm, I, I hope I'm cross my fingers that God's not going to be upset. Today, friend, you have an invitation to covenant. 
Because God's not into contracts with you. He wants more than that. Do you want to be in covenant with him today? And maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you've never known the Lord in covenant relationship. Maybe you've been in a one-way relationship with the Lord, like the children of Israel. You look back on your life and go, Lord, why, why did you ever even keep me alive? Like, I, I see some of that dumb stuff I did. How did I ever make it to here? That's grace. That's the Lord leading you to an invitation of covenant relationship. And, and I don't know, maybe you're here today and you've known covenant, but maybe you're leaning out. You see, because there's no leaning out in covenant. It's an all-in kind of deal. And so maybe the life of Christ, his spirit, his, the voice of the Lord has been poking at your heart a little bit. Say, you hear that covenant language, don't you? It's all-in kind of language. And friend, I'm just, you're not in. You got one foot in and one foot out. Maybe today the Lord's invitation for you is to renew that all-in covenant. When has he not been trustworthy overall? Never. I, um, <laughs> this is an important moment. Um, so I, we're going to do one of those weird church things where I ask you to close your eyes. W would you just be present with the Lord today? Eliminate the distractions, whatever that is. If your phone, chuck it over your back shoulder, whatever it is. If you need to go find another seat, just close your eyes. Turn off distractions for just a moment. And will you listen to the Lord's invitation for you? Because he's saying, my child, you will be my treasured possession. I have a plan and a purpose for your life that's going to transcend eternity. Will you enter into covenant with me? Holy Spirit, speak to us. God, search our hearts. Lord, if we've been chasing down a contract, convict us. Convict us. Or because we witnessed your invitation was first. And then you led us on how to be. And Lord, that's the invitation today, is to enter into relationship and receive your life. But your life will begin to work through us. Because of Christ Jesus, we can be your people. Covenant people. Friends, if you're praying today with your eyes closed, if you're praying to enter into covenant with the Lord, would you just raise your hand? Would you make that step that says, Yes, Lord, I want to be one of your people? And covenant relationship. Thank you for saying yes to his invitation. God sees you. He knows your heart and he's inviting you. Lord, thank you for outrageous, doesn't make sense grace. That Lord, that our past 
that no matter who we've sold ourselves to in the past doesn't define who we are. Our relationship with you does that. So Lord, will you come and transform in grace and power in the lives of your people. And it's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.